This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. Have you ever been around someone who had the undeniable power and presence of God in their life? I mean, you couldn't put your finger on it, but there was just something different about their spirit. Well, it's evident when someone walks in the Spirit of God, touched by His power, filled with His boldness, and marked by His grace. It's noticeably different. It was noticed in Acts 4 by even the apostles' enemies, and it was unstoppable and undeniable. Verse 13 and 14 of Acts 4 read, When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Acts 4 and 5 record for us the explosive and unstoppable force that the church can be when it yields itself to the Spirit's power and commits itself to the seven principles of Acts 2. It's the continuation of the events that began in chapter 3. All of this started when Peter and John healed a lame man on the way to the temple one day. The man was a known beggar for over 40 years. As was their custom, the church would gather in Solomon's colonnade. It was the temple's outer courtyard. And as Peter is speaking, we are told the priest, the captain of the temple police, and the Sadducees confront him because they are, quote, annoyed, interesting choice of words, that Peter was proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. This message would most certainly have annoyed them because they were the very ones who had killed him. Also, the Sadducees would have been annoyed by this because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead at all. Paul used this to his advantage later in the book when he met with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the book of Acts. Now, we're told that the number of men who had become Christians in the city had arisen to about 5,000. The church had grown from 120 people to 3,000 men to 5,000 men in 40 days. Explosive growth, to be sure. When Peter and John stood by the elders, scribes, Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, the one who adjudicated Jesus' unjust trial, John, Alexander, and the high priest family, all of them asked, by what power and in what name have you done this miraculous act? Peter takes the opportunity to talk to him straight. Remember, they're upset because they're preaching that Jesus raised from the dead. And Peter says to them basically, oh, if you're asking me by what means this disabled man was healed, let me tell you and everybody else who would listen, it was in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that you crucified, but God raised from the dead. That's how this man has been healed. Then, to make matters worse, he quotes scripture to them. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Psalm 118.22 Now just imagine, if you would please for a minute, the fury, embarrassment, and rage that would have filled their hearts. These events are all the backstory to the highlighted text for today. When they observed 
the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they literally had nothing to say in opposition. But what could they do? I mean, the power spoke for itself, quite literally. We're told that the healed man is standing with them. His visual presence would have been proof enough, but we're told that he is there standing with them, a visual reminder of Peter and John's power. All the ruling body looked at these men and realized that something else was happening here. They weren't educated. They weren't trained. The only explanation for this kind of power was that they had been with Jesus, and the power spoke for itself. What else could they say? It was undeniable. So what did they do? What else could they do but threaten them again? As if that would stop them from testifying to what they had seen. And I love Peter and John's response here. You decide whether or not it's right for us to listen to you and do what you will. Because we can't stop talking about what we have seen and heard. You see, this demonstration was an experiential first-hand knowledge. They had seen what God could do. They had heard his words, and they were changed forever, and nothing could stop them from telling that story, not even death. They both knew how they would die. We learned that from John 21. But they couldn't be punished because all the people believed them. The conspiracy was out. The die had been cast. The deal was up. And now the whole world knew what they had done and that Jesus was very much alive in the hearts of men like Peter and John. I think the part of this that applies to us most is we have to ask ourselves, have we been with Jesus in this way? Have we spent time with him? Has the Spirit taught us and convinced us for ourselves of these truths? Have we seen it and heard it in our own lives? Has it changed us as it had changed Peter and John? If it has, then there will be an explicit recognition of Jesus in us. People will see that the power in our lives is not from us, but from being with Jesus. They won't mistake whatever power is in us as our own. It will be from Jesus, and the results will speak for themselves. That power and boldness comes from being with Jesus and will be undeniable to the world around us when we spend that time with him. Now, are we this bold? Do we cower in fear when we are intimidated in our faith? Or are we this bold and powerful? I wonder why we aren't this bold. Perhaps it's because our lives haven't been radically transformed. This type of boldness comes from a byproduct of a life that's totally changed. And if our lives were this transformed by the resurrected life of Jesus in us, this type of bravery would be evident. But we aren't sure of ourselves because we aren't sure if our life backs up the boldness of our lips. Are we praying for bravery to speak God's word? It seems odd to me that they pray for boldness. The last thing that these men needed seemingly was boldness. And yet they're so convinced of this message that they are praying for the supernatural ability to speak so bravely as witnesses. They pray that nothing stops them, not threats, imprisonment, persecution, or even death. Because this message has to get out. They are witnesses, and nothing should stop it. 
This message that Jesus is alive is much bigger than their own lives. This priority makes it unstoppable. These men had been fundamentally changed. Even their prayers are transformed. These are the same guys that sleep while Jesus prays in agony in the garden. Their prayers are so bold now that the house is shaken with God's power. This type of boldness comes after this type of prayer. Is it any wonder why the Christian life that we live is so devoid of power when we aren't praying for such bravery? May our witness be bold and our power be so undeniable that people will look at us and recognize that we have been with Jesus. The witness and the boldness and the power are what everyone sees, but the time spent with Jesus is what's necessary in secret. And we miss the point if we focus on trying to be bold and powerful. It's the time spent alone with Jesus that makes the difference with the power in the crowd. The time spent on the beach over breakfast that restored Peter and John. The time spent with Jesus as he restores us daily through his word. That's what brings the undeniable power and the bold witness of the Spirit. And here's the thing. You can't fake that kind of power. The Sanhedrin could do nothing about it because it was real. The only way to have that kind of power is to have been with Jesus, to have been saturated with his presence, his responses, his words, his suffering, and his glory. Have we been so saturated with the presence of Jesus in our lives that it is evident? Can it be so seen that when you begin to take stock of our lives, there is nothing within us that should give us that kind of boldness, power, and wisdom, save that we have been with Jesus. That kind of power can't be faked. It has to be cultivated over time spent with him. So Jesus, renew and restore us as we sit with you in your presence. As we feast upon your word, when we leave the secret place in the silence with you in the morning, may the power be undeniable and the witness be bold. May the world recognize that it comes from you and you alone, and may many come to know you through our witness. We give our life into your hands for your service. Help us to stay in your presence so that we can stay out of your way. In your name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For the show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Have a great weekend. Join us on Monday as together we help you learn to read your Bible.